Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. I wonder if I came out and just did some popcorn questions among you that are sitting there today and I ask you to stand up and define what grace means to you. I wonder how many different varying definitions we would get of grace. And they'd probably all be correct. I mean, God's grace is not just delivered in one form or fashion. It's amazing how he delivers and brings and gives us grace. Yesterday, you may have seen through social media, that's where I first saw it. Uh, it came out on Twitter is where I first saw it, that uh, Pastor Rick Warren and at the Saddleback Church out in California that his son committed suicide, not before last, 27 years old. As soon as I read that, my heart just broke for this pastor and for this church and for his family. And I immediately thought about God's grace. Because here's one of the things that I've discovered about God's grace. He doesn't pour it all on us at one time. Uh, it, we don't store it up and create a stockpile of His grace, although it is abundant. But He gives it to us as we need it, as we're going through life. We're so undeserving of anything He gives us, but He gives that to us. That's where he says in Scripture that my grace is sufficient for you. Remember when Paul said, Lord, if you would take this thorn out of my flesh, whatever this thing was that Paul thought was hindering him from carrying the gospel to doing his ministry, he asked God to remove it. And you remember what God said. He said, Paul, he said, my grace is sufficient. Matter of fact, he told Paul, and Paul made the statement in Scripture that when I am weak, then I am strong. And a lot of times we get the idea that for us to be strong, we've got to be a strong person. We've got to do this and we've got to do that. May I remind you that you are the strongest when you are at your very weakest moment and you trust in Christ and he gives you his grace. So I'm just going to kind of have a little bit of a dialogue today. I don't have a really, um, uh, you know, some of my sermons are kind of, straight to the point and, and some application, although I'm going to hit a few things, but I just want to just kind of create a dialogue and kind of open up our hearts and open up our minds and open up our way of thinking and, and maybe hopefully challenge us to have a little bit of a, a paradigm shift, if you will, in the way that we think about grace. I'm hoping and praying that this study will completely transform our lives, not only that individual that will come to know Christ as their Savior as a result of this study. But for those of us who have been believers for many years, sometimes I think we don't dig deep enough into the subject and the topic of grace and get a good understanding of what God wants to do in and through our lives and, and have an understanding of what grace really is. So today I'm just going to kind of jump around a few places. I'm going to share with you a few things that I've put in my notes about grace that... Uh, that I've unpacked and discovered a little bit. Here's a few things you'll discover about grace, and we're going to try to hit some of these today. God's grace, get this, it's not limited by your or my understanding of it or our treatment of it. Let that kind of sink in. God's grace is not limited by how much of it I understand. Nor is God's grace limited by how I treat that grace. Okay? So it's, it's, not, it's, it's completely unlimited. Matter of fact, God pours out His grace on me oftentimes when I, I don't even understand what God is doing in my life. And I certainly don't understand the grace that He's given me in that particular moment. So it's not limited to my understanding of it. A lot of folks think, boy, as soon as I get a better understanding of God's Word or I clean my life up a little bit or... 
you know, I get a few things straightened out or I get my theology down where it needs to be, then I'll give my life to Christ or then I will... No, 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 no. God's grace isn't delivered like that, right? It's not how much you understand, right? It's not how you treat it. God is abundantly pouring out His grace on us. And most of the time, and sometimes we take credit for that ourselves, when in reality it's God. There's a passage of Scripture I'm going to share with you in a moment, but Galatians 2.20, don't, don't go there yet. But Galatians 2.20, Paul's writing, he says, Christ in us. Now, I don't know about you, but as I've been studying that passage of Scripture over the last several weeks, God has convicted me because sometimes I look around and say, okay, God, I'm going to do this and, and I, need, I need your help. I need you to help me do this or that or the other. But guys, you understand that living the Christian life is not about what you do. Living the Christian life is not about a list of do's and don'ts. Living the Christian life is not about you going out in your self-righteous state and asking God to help you and bless you. Living the Christian life is you dying to yourself and allowing Christ to live in you. Now just let that kind of soak in for a moment. I don't know, whenever I started thinking about that, and I think, man, it's, it's Christ living in me. It's Christ working through me. It's Christ leading me. A lot of times in this consumer world, and I don't know, the way we're geared sometimes, we think it's us. In reality, Paul said, you must die, right? We must die to our self and allow Christ to live within us. So God's grace is not limited by our understanding of it or our treatment of it. Secondly, we're going to discover that God's grace is available to everyone. I mean, there's not one person that his grace is not available to. You may be sitting here today and you think, boy, I've got dealt a, a, a hand of bad cards. My life is a mess. My family's a mess. Everything is messed up. Surely I can never receive God's grace. Let me tell you something. His grace is available to everyone. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much education you have. It doesn't even matter if you graduated high school. Sometimes we put way too much emphasis on degrees. And some of the best preachers I've heard across America had a third grade education. So, so let me tell you, it's sometimes we put too much value on some of those things. And I'm not against education. I think you should go and get as much as you can. But, but understand that God's grace is not merited to you based on how much education you have. It's not based on how much money you have in the bank. It's not based on your social status or what type of home you live in or what type of car you drive or, or where you... God's grace is available for everyone. Say everyone. <clears throat> stay, in, stay in this thing with me, okay? God's grace is available for who? everyone. It's available for everybody. So this study we're going into, I don't want you to think, boy, that's just for the churchy people or that's just for that group of people. This study, God's grace is available for everyone. Third thing we're going to kind of unpack here at the end of my message today is how a changed heart, man, I love this. A changed heart is evidence of God's grace on the move. Guys, you realize, and I've said this many times in the past, and I'll say it again, God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He is in the life transformation movement business, right? God wants to transform all of us from the inside out. He doesn't want to leave us the way that we are. So whenever we see our heart being changed a little bit, you know what that is? It means God is working in our lives. That is called grace, okay? So let me read a few passages of Scripture, and I'll have them on the slides here for you. And, and these are just a few places where we find a little bit about God's grace in Scripture. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15, if you use your Logos Bible software on your iPhone, iPad, what have you, you can follow along and just push the button and it'll take you straight to these, uh, these passages of Scripture. But in Hebrews 12 and 15... The Bible says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. That's a pretty important passage. See to it that you do not miss the grace of God. Galatians 2 and 20, the passage that I just read a while ago. Christ lives in me. 
Now let that just soak in. Who is it that's sitting on the throne of your heart or in your life? I see some of you guys are getting cold. Are you, is this too cold in here? I see some of you ladies grabbing the sweaters and the blankets. and We can turn it up a little bit here. All right, so maybe that... Uh, We'll see what that does. I'll, I'll kind of watch you. I'm watching you ladies, okay? So I, I can tell you're getting cold. I want you to stay here with me. Galatians 2.20. Christ lives in me, okay? Let that soak in. Who is it that's living in you? Christ lives in us. The hope of glory. It's Jesus living in us. Ezekiel 36.26. I love this passage. God says, I'll remove the stone of heart from your body and replace it with a heart that's, God's, that's God-willed, not self-willed. Guys, you, this is what I'm talking about. God is in the business of removing our stone-cold, fleshly hearts and, and putting a, a warm heart in there that, that loves God, that, that's focused on living out God's will for, for our lives and not necessarily living out our own will being a self-willed, self-absorbed person. That's the, that's the old stone-cold hard heart that God wants to remove. And I don't know about you, I, and I think I shared this with you a few weeks ago, but, but I don't want to get to the end of my Christian life and become a hard, bitter, mean-spirited Christian. I've seen some nasty Christians. Haven't you? I want to remain soft. I, I want to remain tender. I want to remain, I don't know, I want God's word and his spirit to still move me to the point of tears. I, I, I want to be compassionate. I, I want to be filled with grace and mercy. I want to be more gracious to people than I've been in the past. I mean, I'm ta talking about going through my life. And we all should want that. And sometimes I look at some Christians, they're so hard. You've seen them. They're so judgmental. They're pointing fingers at everybody else is doing everything. <laughs> you know what? I shared with you the other week that I thought when I first went into ministry that I need to be the preacher and the Holy Spirit. I need to preach the word and bring conviction. Right? You know, I, I came to realize that wasn't my role. My, my role just preached the word. And you know what? Let the Holy Spirit convict you. Right? And so, listen, that's God's job. Let him convict you. I'm going to love on you. I'm going to preach God's word. I'm going to be fair to you. I want to try to treat everybody the same and be filled with grace, grace and mercy. And so I want God to remove that stone heart. Now, here's the thing. He may remove it once and then almost it's like we kind of allow it back in. And then he convicts us again. And he, allow it to stay gone. All right? I'm hoping this study will help lead us all in that particular area. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Here's another passage of scripture concerning God's grace. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Who's it appeared to? All men. There's not one person, man, woman, boy, or girl, where God's grace hasn't reached out and touched you in some form or some fashion. It has appeared to all men. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, the verse that I read just a moment ago. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. Say that with me. Not of yourselves. Say it again. Not. I want you to look to your neighbor and say, it's not about you. Go ahead. You're not saved by what you do. It's not about you, Right? It's God's grace moving in your heart and in your life. I love this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that faith that we're placing is in the Lord Jesus Christ, the finished work of Calvary. And that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Not of works lest anyone should boast. Then in Colossians 1 and 27. The mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. Now, I put that one in there again because those two verses, that one in Galatians 2.20 has rocked my world over the last several weeks. It's Christ in you. Now, I've preached that for years. But it's almost like there's a new freshness about it for me. It's not me living my life and saying, okay, God, bless me in this effort. It's Christ living in me. When you start thinking about that, 
Man, it's going to change. You're going to have a paradigm shift like you've never had before. I mean, it's going to change the way you act, the way you react, the things you do, what you're involved in, your attitudes, your mindset, your actions, your reactions. It's going to change all of that. When you realize it's Jesus that's living in and through your life. I love that verse. The question is, what is grace? I'm, I went to my Logos Bible software study system and, man, I did, I did an extensive research and study on grace. Now, the cool thing is, you go to one place, type in grace, and boom, your extensive study is done in about 0.8 seconds, okay? So what used to take me hours to pull all the books off the shelf and, and lay them out there, and now you can do it in, in a matter of seconds. And that Bible software system is amazing. If you're not on it, you need to get on it. People will say, why do you promote that so much? Do you get a kickback? Do you get some kind of commission? No, I get zero dollars. Matter of fact, I got to pay the same thing that you have to pay as we progress through the library. But here's the thing I know it will do. If you can get into that Bible software system it will motivate you and almost transform your biblical study habits and enlighten you so much. I want to drive you into, into God's Word. But what is grace? As I started thinking about this, and that's, that's, the, that's the question that I came up with. What is it? You know, we sing Amazing Grace, and I love this song we just sang. We talk about God's amazing grace. We talk about abundant grace. And, but really, what is Grace. Well, first of all, just let me say that I believe it's very misunderstood today. I believe the word grace and God's grace is extremely misunderstood. Someone once talked about grace, and you've heard this one, not original with me, but you've heard it put this way, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense, right? You've seen that. Uh, we've all, for years, oh, what is grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. Boom, there it is. And we kind of leave it at that. I mean, I kind of like that. <laughs> but but I, think there's, I think there's a lot more to grace than just that. Right? I mean, that's a great little... Who's, who isn't going to... I mean, you can't argue against that, right? It's a fancy little acronym, God's riches at Christ's expense. But, but if that's the only definition we have of grace, then I think we're missing a lot of what grace really is. Okay? I went through and I found a few more things about God's grace... Really, and, and even Max Lucado says this, A.W. Tozer says this, all, all your theologians say this, that grace simply is God's unmerited favor. It's God's unmerited favor. In other words, God is bestowing his favor and his blessings on you, even when you and myself, even when we do not deserve it. That's the thing about God's grace. It's about what he gives us, even when we are so undeserving of anything. He gives it to us, that, that's called grace. So I, I like that definition of, of grace being God's unmerited favor. A.W. Tozer says this. I thought it was a, a pretty good quote. He says, grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits on the undeserving. I like that. That's a, that's a good definition of grace. Grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits on the undeserving. Louis Burkhoff in the writing of Systematic Theology, says this about grace. And then maybe it's a little bit more to the point. It says that grace is the unmerited operation of God in the heart of man. Get that. Affected through the agency of the Holy Spirit. Now that may be kind of digging down there a little bit deeper, but grace is the unmerited operation of God in the heart of man. It's God fingering around in your heart. And, and who's the one that, that does the work of fingering around our hearts? The Holy Spirit of God. It's God's Holy Spirit. And part of what he does, it's him moving in our heart, in our life, to hopefully and prayerfully transform our lives. The heart, at the heart of the term grace, is the idea of divine favor. And we understand that. But grace is not mere, merely unmerited favor. Here's what I want you to see. And I'm going to give you a few passages of Scripture so you can see this. Grace, get, get this. Grace is when God gives you this grace. He gives you this favor. He bestows it on you and myself as sinners when we do not deserve it. Now let that sink in. It's Him pouring out 
His unmerited favor is favor bestowed on sinners who really deserve the wrath of God. Every single one of us. There's not a one of us that could stand here and say that we do not deserve the wrath of God. We all deserve the wrath of God. But it's God withholding the wrath and extending to us his, His grace. It's showing kindness to a stranger. That's good. That's unmerited favor. But I think the scripture takes it further than that. Oftentimes, listen, get this. Stay with me here. Oftentimes, we as Christians show more kindness to a total stranger than we do our brother and sister in Christ that we've known for many years. Right? So just showing kindness to a stranger, I I think it goes further than that talking about God's grace. Well, how far does it go? Well, it goes further than just kindness to a stranger. That simply is just unmerited favor. But I'm talking about God's unmerited favor. Everybody say that with me. God's unmerited favor. Not just simply unmerited favor. Just the other day, we left church and we were going to out to eat. I, I can't remember if it was 54th Street Grill or Cracker Barrel or somewhere up there. We, were, we got off at the Green Mount exit. And as I pulled up to the stop sign, there was um, a guy that was standing there, a homeless guy, and he was talking about how he, was, he needed food, needed money, and what have you. And, and, and get this, this is kind of how, how God works. I don't carry, if you know me, I do not carry cash around. I mean, I just don't. Matter of fact, if I have it, I give it away to my wife real quick, and she freely takes it and stores it. Right? I just don't like the bulk of it. I just don't like things in my pocket. I, I, don't, I, just, I just don't like it on me as far as cash. I don't like change. But sometimes you're in a situation where you have to have cash, right? In an emergency situation where you need some cash. And so a few weeks back, I thought, well, I'm getting my car all prepared. I'm, my wife for Christmas, she bought the whole family this emergency kit that we carry in our car. If we were to get stranded or break down or whatever, I mean, everything's in there that you would ever need, all the way to the granola bar. Okay? I mean, everything's in there that you would need. And I have that in my car. Well, then I got thinking, I don't have any cash in my car. So, so I went and, and I, I went, went to the ATM machine and I, I pulled out $20 and I, I went to the dollar store and I bought a pack of gum just so I could get a variety of, of Cash, different, different values to put in my car. And, and, I, and I put it in, and I can't even remember what it was, but it was wadded up around a 10 and a 5 and a couple of 1s or something like that. And I, I folded up, my, I lifted up my console, and I stuck it up in there, and I think, there it is. If I'm ever in an emergency where I need some cash, I've got it. Well, I pull up to the stop sign at Greenmount, to, and I just got out of church, okay? And as I'm pulling up, I'm seeing this guy, and I'm about 40 cars back, okay? It was a long line, I'm thinking... God's thinking, give it to him. I'm thinking, God, I just, you know how hard it is for me to go to the ATM machine to get cash, break this thing down, to put it in my car, that, and now you, give it to him. Reach in there and give it to him. Now, I didn't say a word to my family, didn't say a word to anybody, and I'm thinking, really? All of it, God? <laughs> just give it to him. So I go through another rotation of the lights, and I'm about now the, the second or third car, and, we're, and the light turns green, and, and here we go, and I'm thinking, Doing. I hit the window and I reached in there and I handed it to him and, and he said thank you and I left. I'm thinking, man, that felt so good just to give him what little bit of cash I had. But let me tell you something. That's simply just unmerited favor to a stranger. I believe God's grace and using the definition of grace being God's unmerited favor goes so much further and deeper than just doing something kind for a stranger. Well, how far does it go? I'm glad you asked that question. It's a great question. Ask that question so, uh, so you can say you did. How far does it go? Go ahead and ask that. Well, in Luke chapter 6, in verse 27 through 36, let me read this passage of Scripture to you. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 and following. Jesus says, But I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Now, that's a little bit further than doing something kind for a stranger. Would you agree? 
Now Jesus is telling me that I'm not only to do something kind for a stranger, which is just simply unmerited favor, but I'm to exercise God's grace and and tap into God's unmerited favor to where now I am going to love that one that I know hates me. I am going to extend grace and kindness and mercy to that individual that I know is trying to tear me down. Listen, we all got it. Everybody have an enemy? I'm not talking about Satan. We all spiritualize. Yeah, we all got enemies. Say, I'm, I'm talking about people. Okay? You know there's people around you that I believe God places them there to transform us and give us the opportunity to become more like his son Jesus, right? So he allows these people in our life, and we think life will be so much better. Well, no, you need them. I need them. Why? So that a transformation of my heart can begin to take place. Are you with me? We're, digging a little, we're drilling a little bit deeper in this thing called grace. Unmerited favor is giving a few bucks to a total stranger. I've never seen him since. It felt good to give. And we think, whoo, I'm a great Christian. Yeah, whoo. Really? <laughs> Who said no? <laughs> yeah. That's right. It's more than that. You know what it is? It's God's unmerited favor. What is that? That's me loving my enemy, Luke 6. That's me doing good to my enemies in spite of what they may do to me. That's grace. God's unmerited favor. You see, I also believe that grace is not simply just a doormat. It's not, it's not some abstract quality. I believe grace is dynamic, it's active, and it's a working principle in our lives every single day. It's not something we experience one time. It's a powerful agent that God uses to transform us to become more like His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is God's sovereign initiative to sinners okay God loved you God loved me when we were his enemy right there's the example there's the paradigm shift that needs to take place in our own lives the entire Christian life is driven and empowered by grace Hebrews 13 9 brings a reference and how it says it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace and not by foods think about that Hebrews 13.5, 13.9, it says, it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. And, and listen, if you tell me that you don't have much grace, I would tell you, you are starving to death spiritually. Hello? Hebrews says, for your heart to be strengthened by grace and not food. Listen, guys. Matter of fact, 2 Peter, the last verse in 2 Peter says that we are to grow in what? grace so let me tell you this church and i get a hold of this if you do not have more grace than you had yesterday if you don't have more grace in your life today and i'm talking about god's unmerited grace i'm talking about showing kindness not just to a stranger but to those that you know are your enemies to those individuals that you know that god has allowed in your life for whatever reason but to draw you to himself though if you're not exhibiting grace to them and grown more in that area then you're spiritually anemic You're starving yourself spiritually. Don't tell me how long you've been a Christian because that doesn't matter. All that tells me is how long you've been on the road. It doesn't tell me how far you've traveled. Hello? Oh, I've been a Christian. Oh, preacher, I got all this down. I've been a Christian for four. I've been a Christian. You've seen this. They kind of do this kind of stuff. You seen them? Oh, preacher. I got this all the time when I was preaching in my 20s, okay? I had those 40-something know-it-alls. I'm 48 now, so I can say that. But I, and I'm in my 20s, man. I'm preaching my heart out. Oh, preacher, listen. I, I've been out there. Don't know. You can't nothing you can tell me. I've been, a preach, I've been a Christian longer than you've been preaching. I used to hear that. They're dying off slowly because I, I continue to preach, and so I'm hearing less and less of that of what I heard when I was younger. But what kind of an attitude is that? Really? You've arrived? I don't think so. Actually, myself, I see myself 
I see myself growing and still growing and in need of growth in these areas. We're to grow in the grace and the knowledge, 2 Peter 3.18. So let me wrap it up with this, or not wrap it up, but kind of wrap up the introduction. Everybody smile. Okay. <laughs> therefore, <laughs> therefore, I believe we can define grace as, as this. I think I have it on the screen. Free, we can define grace as the free and benevolent influence of a holy God operating sovereignly in the lives of undeserving sinners. I believe that's a pretty good definition of grace whenever we ask ourselves, what is grace? Well, let me try to wrap this thing up with three things, and I'll, I'll be done. And I want you to jot these things down and put them in your notes. And we're talking about a grace-shaped life. And what does a grace-shaped life look like? Okay? The first thing I want you to see is this. Number one, jot this one down. The grace-shaped life begins, get this, it begins by receiving God's grace. Okay? You, you can't, listen, you can't have God's, or you can't, you can't give grace or grow in grace until you have received God's grace. All right? Every single one of us have to come to a point in our life where we realize that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And by the way, before anyone can ever be born again, before anyone can ever be saved, they have to see themselves lost. Right? So we see ourselves in that situation. And so we must get to the point where we realize that we need to receive God's grace, His unmerited favor. Everyone needs grace. Regardless of your circumstances, we all need God's grace. Why? Because of what Romans 3 says. Romans 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Listen, every single one of us are sinners. So every single one of us needs to get in the point in our life where we, we ask Christ to come into our heart. We receive the grace of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's where it's got to start. I mean, you can go through this study and get in all the life groups. You can, you can get connected in all these different places. But, but if you haven't received it, you're going to miss so much. I mean, you, you really can't grow in grace until you receive grace. Right? So that's the starting point. And that's where I want us to begin today. If you're here today and you have not received Christ as your personal Savior, and you have not received the grace of God, I beg of you today, do not leave this auditorium today until you know without a shadow of a doubt that you have been born again, that you have trusted in Jesus Christ, not in a church membership, not in a religion, not in a baptism, not in taking communion, but you have trusted in Christ Jesus as your personal Savior. Guys, that's where it begins. So the grace-shaped life begins with what? Everybody say receiving. It begins with it begins with us receiving God's grace. Secondly, and you've heard Max Lucado say this, and I just thought it was so cool. I wanted to put it in here. Secondly, a wimpy grace doesn't change you. I love that part of his book. He talks about how well, a lot of times we got grace and it's like a goldfish, and this is in his book, and, and we put the little goldfish in a bowl and put it on the shelf, and it's pretty to look at. Matter of fact, we may go over and feed it a little bit. And it just swims. It doesn't accomplish anything. It doesn't go anywhere. It does. I mean, it, the, the, you never go in there, really. You never go in there and the water is kind of splashing around and this fish is being... No, he just kind of lazily just... He may go in there and you find him floating. <laughs> but other than that, that's kind of it, right? I mean, there's not much taking place with that. I believe God's grace in our life, it's not this wimpy little something like a goldfish floating around. I love that analogy. You know what grace does? It'll change you. Right? It will change who you are. And thirdly, grace is marked by a, change, a changed heart. And that's what I read to you in Ezekiel 11. Then I will give them one heart. I will, put, I will put a new spirit within them. Take the stony heart out of the flesh and give them a heart. Give them a heart of flesh. Take the stony heart out and give them a new heart. You see, that's that transformation. It starts when we receive Christ and our lives are transformed and we're a new person. And in closing, let me share this with you. Where is the first... I love, in studying scripture, I love the hermeneutical principle, if you will, of the law of first mention. Where is the very first place that we find grace mentioned in the Bible? Do you know? 
I wonder if I went through the congregation and asked you, where do, where do we find grace mentioned in the Bible? Some folks may go back to, well, Jesus, oh, yeah, well, he talked and preached a lot about grace. And uh, we may go back even further and go back to, um, you know, King David. Yeah, he, he certainly lived with God's grace and exemplified that. And, you know, we go back, do you remember the story about... Um, about uh, Jonathan and, B- and Bathsheba theft and, and how grace was moving in, the, in that story. And Yeah, there's grace, but I think it goes back further. Well, how far back does it go? Well, it goes back to the book of beginnings. What book is that? The book of Genesis, chapter 6. In the book, book of Genesis, chapter 6, verses, I believe it's 5 down through verse number 9. I think it's in verse number 9. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. It's 8 or 9. I'm thinking verse number 9. Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 9. Someone correct me if I'm wrong so I can tell you correct verse here. Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 9. The Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But what I find interesting about that is verse 5 and 6 and 7 and 8. It's 8, verse 8. Chapter 6, verse 8. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What I find interesting are the, are the verses that precede that. And I believe it starts in verse number 5. Where it says that God looked out over the whole earth and saw that it was wicked. He saw the wickedness of the earth. Now what I find even more interesting about that is that just six chapters earlier, when he created everything, he said it was what? It's good. And then he created more. It's good. Six different times, it's good. Finally, one time he looks over everything and he says it's very good. And here we are six chapters later, and wickedness has spread across the whole earth. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Let me ask you this. What did Noah do to find grace? We don't have a clue. You say, oh, no, 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 yeah, he built the ark. No, 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 that was after he found grace. No, 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 he, he preached. That was, that was after he found grace. I'm talking about what we know of it is mentioned after we see that he found grace. What did he do to receive God's grace? As far as the Bible is concerned, we do not have it detailed for us. Don't you know that would be on the New York Times bestseller list, How to Find Grace in the Eyes of the Lord, Top 5 Things You Must Do to Find and Experience God's Grace. Right? Everybody would buy that book, don't you think? It's not mentioned for us in the Bible. Noah didn't write anything about it. It's not there. So you know what that's telling me? And here's what I'm going to close with. And we can bring the band on up now to get ready for the song of invitation here. Here's what I want you to realize. God's grace, it's not about what you do. Nowhere in Scripture do we find that Noah did anything. We know a lot about Noah after he found favor and found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But leading up to that, what did he do? Listen, therefore I believe the point is this. It's not about what we do. It's about what he does. He gives us grace when we are undeserving of it. He gives us his favor when we don't deserve it. You know, if it was my own personal life and if it was your life and there was something we could do that we said... You know, I'm receiving God's grace because I'm doing this. We would be so full of pride. Right? But God's grace, it's not about the one that's receiving God's grace. It's about the one that's giving it in the story of Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God's unmerited favor. My prayer is that you will experience God's grace. That you'll start living in God's grace. That you'll start paying attention to the word grace in your own life. And you'll start growing and allowing it to transform you. To be a person maybe you've never imagined that you could be. Maybe... Maybe you're sitting here today and you're a believer in Christ. You've already trusted Christ as your Savior. But you've got a heart filled with bitterness. Maybe you're angry with someone. Maybe you're angry with a set of circumstances that's unfolded in your life and you're not pleased with it. And you're trying to do everything you can 
Maybe it's time you just let go of that stuff. Say, God, it's not about me. I just want to let go of that. I don't want to, I don't want to live with anger in my life. I don't want to live with bitterness and hurt in my life. We all know those people, and Luke 6 talks about those enemies that we have. Have you forgiven them? He said, I don't know if I ever can. With God's grace, you can. By yourself, you cannot. But if you will allow the grace of God to transform your heart, you can get to the place where you can forgive anyone that has ever wronged you. You can look them in the eyes and say, hey, I want you to know I love you as a brother in Christ. I love you as a sister in Christ. Hey, I know what you meant for evil in my life. God turned it to good. I'm a better man for it. Thank you. As I look back in my years of starting this church, we started in March of 1999. I've gone through some battles. I've had my share of attacks. I've had rumors and lies start on me. I've had people throw false accusations toward me. I've had people try to tear me down and this church down. I can look them in the eye today and I can say, brother, I want you to know I love you. And almost, and I mean this sincerely, although I would never say it because they would think I was being very sarcastic, in which I am not. But I almost want to say thank you. Because as a result of me going through the fire, as a result of me enduring your rumors, lies, false attacks, trying to tear me down, as a result of all of that, I really want to say thank you. God used you to transform my life, to make me a stronger believer, to make me a stronger Christian, to make me a stronger preacher, to make me a stronger leader. And if I hadn't have gone through that as a result of what you did, I would still have this wimpy grace. I'd be a goldfish swimming around in a bowl. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, what a perspective. What a paradigm shift. You know what it's called? It's grace. Those hard places you go through, let God use that. That's good stuff. Hello? And then we could get where we just quit exercising unmerited favor. And we start living in God's unmerited favor. We move beyond the place where we're just polite and nice to a total stranger. And we get to the place where we graciously extend love and mercy and compassion to our enemies. To those who are trying to tear us down. That's a life-transforming grace. <laughs> that gets all over me. And if I had hair, it'd be standing up on the back of my neck right now. That's, that's powerful stuff. Where are you today? I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. This study, I pray, will transform your life as a believer. And if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I promise you, the moment you do, your life will be transformed. God wants to take out that old heart of the flesh. He wants to put a new spiritual heart in there. And He wants to start massaging it. And He wants to start tweaking it. And He wants to put you in circumstances that will allow you the opportunity to respond in the way that He would respond. He wants to put you in situations where you'll have those that transgress against you. He wants to take you to the cross in your life to get you to the place where you would crucify your flesh and you would do what Paul did and you will die daily to the flesh and you'll get to the place where your life is transformed to the point where it's Christ living in you. And you exercising and exhibiting God's unmerited favor that's where I want to camp out that's where I want to live we're going to do the invitation this way today and I don't do this often but I just feel 
led of the Lord to do this. And I want you to know that if you want to stay right where you are and pray, that's fine. You do that. No one will think any worse of you. But I think there's some that need to rise up today and give the devil a black eye. And say, Satan, I am not going to allow you to have that stronghold in my life any longer. I've allowed you to suppress my heart to the point where, where I'm not living in grace, in God's unmerited favor. I've got bitterness in my life. I've got an unforgiving spirit to those that have wronged me. And I just want to give all that back to you, God, and say, remove that from me. And help me to start living in your amazing, abundant, profound grace. Give me love for my brothers and sisters in Christ like I've never had it before. Give me a love for those that I know that have set out to harm me. Give me a love for them like I've never had before. Maybe God's speaking to your heart today. You remember the agent to which God's grace is delivered is the Holy Spirit. And what His job is now is to finger around in our hearts and bring us to a crossroad in our life where we get to make a decision. I don't do this often, but here's how we're going to do it today. I'm going to ask you right now, if you feel like God spoke to your heart, I want you to get up out of your seat. I want you to come down here to the front. I want you to kneel right down here against this wall, all the way across the front. And I want you right now to lay down whatever it is you need to lay down so that God can start working in your heart to transform you so you can start living in His amazing, abundant grace. I want you to bring it right now. Come on. Go ahead. Don't allow Satan. Don't allow Satan to keep this stronghold in your life. Let's start this thing off right. Let's pray, God, give me, a, give me a new heart, as you said in Ezekiel. God, give me an understanding that it's not me living my life, but it's Christ living in me, the hope of glory. It's Jesus living in me. It's easy to give a few dollars to a perfect stranger. That's easy. It's something else to go up to your enemies and lo- genuinely, not sarcastically, not trying to throw it back in their face, not mean-spirited, but genuinely love them. Let's lay all that down. Let's cleanse our hearts today. Pray and ask God to restore a new spirit in your heart and in your life. Let's have a spiritual cleansing and renewal as we launch into this grace study. Let's allow God to transform us. Let's, let's get to the point, Victory Church, that we're sick and tired of being the little goldfish swimming around in a bowl. That we're ready. We're ready for a transformation. We're ready for God to move in our heart. We're ready to be a new person in Christ Jesus. We're ready. It's going to take you dying out to self. It's going to take you dying out to the flesh. It's going to take you, as Paul said, crucifying the flesh. Father, We commit this time to you. God, we need your grace. Father, I think I think this is going to be one of those studies that transforms us. Even I'm talking about us that have been Christians for a long time. It's going to give us a fresh, a freshness about our spiritual life. It's going to give us a new perspective. You're already beginning, beginning the process of illuminating our minds to giving us understanding of a biblical principle and doctrine that all too often we just leave it in a hymn book. We just sing Amazing Grace. And we don't live it out in our lives. We look at grace as something we experienced the day we got saved and we've never revisited it again Father I pray that today will be the day that we change that 
we're ready. Mold us in the person you'd have us to be. Help us to grow, as Peter said, in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord. Father, thank you for these that have come. And God, I know there's people even doing business with you right now in their seats. For everyone right now that is praying at this altar and in their seats right now, I pray, dear God, that you'd begin to cultivate in their heart and in their life this freshness of their spiritual life. And the transformation began even now as we surrender more and more and more and more areas of our life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we allow your grace to break through. And we allow the strongholds that Satan has on us to be broken. God, we pray for your grace. May you receive the honor and the glory for everything that is done in our lives. Because just like Noah, it's not about what we've done. It's about what you are doing and what you are extending to us. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your amazing grace. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life, if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with, or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. That's victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can call, email, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109 in O'Fallon, Illinois. Or come check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.